it's still intimidating to take action without seeing someone personally do it. And so go to your local RIA, find someone to learn from, right? That's what I did originally when I moved here years ago. Welcome to the Big Picture Blueprint. I'm your host, Dan Hebercost, along with Mason McDonald. And we're going to discuss all things land, real estate, and business in general with all kinds of exceptional people. Let's get started. What's up, everybody? This is Mace McDonald with Dan Haberkost, and this is the Big Picture Blueprint. And today we are going to be having a fun discussion about what we would do if we only had $5,000 to restart our investing journey. And so I'm going to outline the scenario a little bit of we have a job, we're wanting to get started investing or starting our own business in real estate, and we only have five grand saved up to do it, but we're still making ends meet. But before we get to that, Dan, how are you doing today? Mason, I'm great. Excited to talk through this a bit. I think we were both in a similar scenario at one point in time. Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, I, I got started with a lot more than five grand saved up, but I think a lot of people that are listening and a lot of people that are wanting to get started and so many people that I know that have reached out to me have said, man, I want to invest with you or I want to get started. I only have $5,000. And I'm like, that's not enough you know, to do it with me, but to do it for yourself. There's so many opportunities. So let, let's jump right into it. Dan, you are working your W-2 job. You are making your ends meet. You have enough money to go to Taco Bell twice a week. And mm-hmm. you have five grand that you have worked really hard to save up to. What are you going to do? How are you getting started? First and foremost, especially looking back, I wouldn't go out and try and buy a real estate investment too cold. I, I think that's ridiculous. That's something you do once you figure out how to make money. And we've talked about that on other podcasts. And so with that frame, what is the best way within the realm of real estate to start some sort of active business with five grand to scale your income? And of course, there's going and, and quote unquote wholesaling houses, right? Assigning contracts or flipping houses or to become a realtor. There's quite a few options, but I think both of us would say that land, as far as we have found, is probably the easiest and most feasible with a small amount of money to get started in. Uh, What do you think? I completely agree. I think with everything, you know, getting started in real estate, there's not really a free way to do it. I know you hear about door knocking and people will have success doing that. And I guess that's free minus gas money. But Land in general is such an easy thing to understand. It's such an easy niche within real estate to get deals. And you don't need too much money to start out with, you know, to get started. So that, that that's my route too. I, I'd focus on land. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed, agreed strongly. And before we get into the tactical, well, you're working full time. How are we going to learn about it. Uh, How do we know where to start or what to do? I mean, land is a huge umbrella in and of itself. Um, So what would you do with five grand as far as learning? Yeah, I think if I only had five grand, that means that, you know, I, I might not have enough money to dedicate to a coaching or consulting program. You know, I think that a lot of people would say, you know, start with education, but Luckily, there's resources like this podcast, and there's so much free information out there and podcasts and YouTube and just using Google. And, you know, with AI, you can ask AI how to do it um, as well. And I think that would be an interesting, you know, uh, thing to do. I have five grand to invest in real estate. How would I get started? You know, ask ChatGPT. But um, so I I would start by educating myself. 
you know, okay, land is a low barrier to entry. Wholesaling is a lower barrier to entry. Some of these places. And I would look up every single piece of information that I could find. And I'd spend about a month doing that. I would not spend more than a month doing that because there's so many people. I mean, I've listened to podcasts and YouTube videos for 10 years before I actually started investing. There's always more information out there, but I would do it for free. I would not pay for my education at this point in time if I only had $5,000. What about you? Yeah, agreed strongly. So as a corollary to everything you said, so absolutely go and do that. Just about the entirety of what you need to know is available for free online. But it's still intimidating to take action without seeing someone personally do it. And so go to your local RIA, find someone to learn from, right? That's what I did originally when I moved here years ago. And he taught me much of what I know. And I just donated my time because I didn't have a lot of money. Uh, so in conjunction with the books, the podcast, the videos, find someone to learn from where you provide them value. And please, whatever you do, do not ask them if you can pick their brain or take them to coffee and pick their brain. If you use that phrase, they're never going to want to talk to you. Make sure that you approach it from the perspective of really just building a friendship uh, and providing them value in the process. Well, let, let, let's spend some time on that because I think that's something that we hear pretty often is you should go seek out a mentor, find a mentor. And I think as both a former mentee, current mentee, and now mentor to a lot of people, nothing irks me more than people assuming that my time is for them. And I don't mean that in a narcissistic way. I don't mean that in a way of uh, glorifying my own self-importance or anything like that, but I'm busy. I'm really busy. And whenever I'm not busy, I want to not be busy. And those conversations can be really draining sometimes. So say you're you're 24 years old, you go to like your local real estate investor association meetup. How would, how would you find that mentor? How would you find that person that you think, you know, you could learn a lot from, but you could also add value to? Because you're 24, you have no skills, you have no experience. What real value could you add? I mean, and, and, you know, let's get specific. How did you develop your relationship with this individual? Yeah. So and that's what RIAs are meant for. They are meant for talking to people. So that's easy enough. You go and you, you talk to people. They're meant for networking. But then from there, at 24, you might have some skills. And so for me, it was that I had an understanding of the technology that he didn't. He was older and had, did not grow up with the internet at the computer. And so I was able to help him there. On the direct-to-seller side, I'd go and, and get land uh, for the builds he was doing, and he didn't know anything about pulling data or using PropStream or the different uh, direct-to-seller techniques that are available to us today. Uh, so that was the way I was able to provide value to him. But y you never know, and you're, you're not going to know until you talk to people and get an idea of what they need. You know, there's another example of just a friend I have in town who's miles ahead of me, and uh, I... There are a lot of asks I would love to ask of him, but you don't approach it that way. You start with providing them something. And, you know, after talking to him and getting to know him a little bit, he needed a good lender and I was able to help him there. And he was very appreciative of that. And then what do you know? Uh, he's more available to me. And, and so you got to go and talk to people to figure out what they need and whether it's providing them contacts or doing some work for them or helping them with anything that they might need help with. Uh, it, it really could be anything. And, and I think that what you didn't say there is what people should really take note of is you're not directly ask, asking the question of how can I provide value to you and your business? 
Yeah. And because the answer, when people say that to me is like, I don't know, man, like bring me deals, I guess, you know, if, if you want. And because it's, you know, I think Brandon Turner, I, I think about a bigger pockets episode from years and years ago. And he talked about how, you know, you need to be able to add value without asking how you can add value because the burden should not be placed on the person that you're seeking to receive value from where, uh, you know, what you're saying is talk to them about their business. People love talking about success stories, but man, do people love complaining. And whenever you hear constant complaints in their language and maybe don't expect to develop this relationship after your first meeting, it might take a few months. And if you hear it's like, oh man, I have the biggest frustration with my maintenance technician uh, that my property manager is using. They just do the worst work possible. I mean, you can go out, maybe you know someone in your own network or you heard someone somewhere else that you know, as a maintenance tech that's looking for work and has great work or something like that, you could connect them and everything without them asking. And, you know, sometimes it can feel like you're overstepping and you're trying to solve problems for them. But I think individuals will see, oh, wow, this person is helping me, you know, and they haven't asked for anything in return. And just having those conversations can be so useful and so valuable where, you know, stuff can turn into, you know, you, you talked about it, Dan, of like turning into kind of a friendship relationship. And, I would pay a lot of money for the conversations that I have with certain individuals that are much older, that have had a lot more success and have a lot more experience. And just getting to have those conversations in general make it interesting. So you have to have, you know, certain knowledge of the lingo associated with it. And, you know, if you're looking to invest in real estate, I mean, know the jargon, understand what's going on. And I'm not talking about the more sexy jargon that you hear on a bigger pockets podcast, like the Burr method and your ARB and all this kind of stuff. Just understand how, how a real estate transaction works, you know, the process, you know, for, for whatever deal it is and whatever type of business that, that they're doing, you know, understand the difference between a developer and a builder and, you know, just little stuff like that. So they're not answering questions that are Googleable whenever you're talking to them. Yeah. One more quick point I want to make on that before we get too far off here is, is when you're looking to learn from someone, just like when you're looking to start a business and really in everything you're trying to do in life, take the longer term perspective. Stop being so, I need this today, transactional minded. Because again, you know, I, I have a friend I'm, I'm now doing some builds with where I met him over a year ago now. And right off the bat, it was clear that he had what I didn't and vice versa. He's great at building. I'm great at getting land at a discount. And we're both bad at the opposite thing, right? And so perfect opportunity to work together. But it takes time because doing business with people, you have to develop relationships. So if you're over a year later, now we're starting some projects together. And just like with the people I've learned from, it wasn't the first time I met them or the fourth time I met them. It was over the course of months or more often years, you build a relationship, you end up being friends and you help each other. And that that's how learning from someone tends to work. So unfortunately, it isn't as quick as we might want it unless you're really able to provide value quickly in a very direct manner. Absolutely. And all these people in the industry, they know that so many people that are getting involved in real estate investing are doing it from a side hustle. So if you haven't been consistent and don't have any track record in the industry, you know, establish one. But with $5,000, Dan, all right, I know we talked about mentors and I think that's a really useful component because you can do that for free. And, you know, a lot of times if you establish it right, you end up getting paid you know, to have that mentor mentee relationship, but you have $5,000. You maybe have found a mentor. 
you've listened to a lot of the podcasts about land and, you know, flipping homes and burr strategy and everything like that. But what are you actually going to do? Well, these things should be happening simultaneously. And I can give you a good example of someone who did this uh, with me, but I would already be pulling data and, and cold calling, but I'm a little bit jumping ahead there. You need to figure out a market and data, and we don't necessarily need to dive too too far into that. But step one, along with the education and establishing the relationships with someone in the business is just starting to take action to get potential deals. And so my thought, and then I want to hear your, your thoughts there, Mason, would be, you know, start with a data provider. PropStream is what both of us use. Pick a market or two and decide on a marketing method, being that you're low on money. I would start with cold calling and then go pull your first list and start calling because I can tell you a great way to accelerate your your relationship with the person in the business that you want to, me- want to mentor you is to show them you're doing the hard work and bring them leads. But I'll, I'll pause there for a moment. Yeah, I think, I think that's a really good strategy. I think for me, I would... You know, I, I think about it from like kind of a mindset perspective of putting myself in very uncomfortable situations that force me to take action. So I think first what I would do, I would go form an LLC. Right now in Colorado, I think it's free to form an LLC. You know, don't quote me on that depending on whenever you listen to this. But uh, forming an LLC is really, really easy to do. Go to your, you know, Secretary of State website, form an LLC. You get your operating agreement, your articles of incorporation. You can do all that through you know, legalzoom.com for a hundred bucks and have them do it and make it compliant and everything. So I would do that first and foremost, because I'm looking to start my own business. And, and I think I hear so often people will say, oh, you know, I've been wanting to start a business, but I just haven't gotten around to forming the LLC. It takes 10 seconds to form an LLC. I just did this. Yeah. It took me about five minutes for a new LLC. Yeah, exactly. It's super, super easy to do. So I, w- I would form an LLC. I'd spend a hundred bucks to you know form an LLC. Um, I'd open a business bank account or I'd get my EIN. I'd open a business bank account and I'd put that you know $4,900 in there. And the reason for that is now I can kind of operate under an entity. Everything that I do can be deducted from it. I can keep track of my books and of my expenses. So I would do that. And then I would do exactly what you said. I would search for a market. So if land flipping is what I wanted to do and, you know, and we'll, we'll make a separate episode entirely about this, but Dan and I don't really fund our own deals anymore. And I spend almost all of my money on the operating costs of the business. And if you're spending five grand to operate your business per month, you can create a six-figure, seven-figure business uh, if you're very lean in your operations. So I would choose a market and I would find an area where I know that if I acquired land for a certain amount, I would be able to have a deal funder in place. So I would be looking for land that sells pretty quickly in the twenty dollars to $30,000 range and I would choose that market. And then I would go to PropStream and I would sign up for one month it's $99 and you can pull 10,000 records and I would take that market and I'd pull all the data that I can on that market and maybe a couple markets just like that. And then I would spend all of my money on mail and that's exactly what I would do. But yep. you know, we can break that down a little bit more, Dan, you know, uh, keep, keep going on your track with what you would, unless you're just going to well, copy me. <laughs> I, I would probably go the route of cold calling, but that can, that can work too. mail either one. It, it's a matter of being consistent with whatever you choose. But one other point I'd want to make, since you're starting with limited capital, 
I would want to be in a middle-class market, like you said, and I would want to start working on the disposition on the sourcing cash buyers at a time so that I could profit even a little bit off of any sort of decent lead I get. And what I mean is, so for where Mason and I are in our business, right? If, if we're above 50 cents on the dollar, we don't really want it. We're generally in much more expensive markets, but shoot, if you're new, if you can do a $2,000 or $3,000 assignment, that's still worth doing if you only have five grand, right? Your point of reference is a little different when you're starting. And so if you go to one of these markets where there's lots of builders and there's plenty of cash buyers, fairly competent people that you could assign to, you build out those buyer lists ahead of time, then you can monetize leads that he or I would be throwing away where maybe you get it at 70 cents on the dollar and you can assign it at 85 or 90 cents on the dollar to a builder. And so that that's something I would be intentional about. I wouldn't go market to an area if I was low on funds that is really expensive where it's just end, end user buyers, right? Retail buyers. I would want there to be investors or builders I could sell to so I could more easily monetize every potential lead that comes in that is at all below market. That right there, you know, it, it shows the difference in personality of, I think I'm lazier than you, Dan. And, you know, I'm thinking about it from the perspective of, you know, I'm working, I don't want to be cold calling in the evening and you don't need to cold call, but Dan's right. Mm -hmm. Picking up the phone and dialing is really, really cheap. And so if, if you're taking this and you're breaking it down into like the technical aspect of it of, okay, you sign up for PrepStream for one month, costs you a hundred bucks. So, you know, a hundred bucks to start the LLC, a hundred bucks to pull that data and you're going to get 10,000 records from that. And you can use those 10,000 records however you want. So, you know, I, I would pick ownership criteria on the actual land that makes it to where they're more likely to sell, you know, 10 years of ownership out of state, out of county, uh, that kind of stuff. In those very specific markets, those middle-class markets where land is selling from anywhere from 20 to 50,000 per lot. And I would pick as many markets that I have a certain amount of familiarity with to get that data up to about 7,500 records. And then I would use the rest of that to do what Dan said. And I would, in each market, I would filter for cash buyers of land in the past six months. And I'd pull that for those markets too, to get my 10,000 records, I'd cancel my membership there. And now you have all the data necessary to do it. And you've only spent a hundred bucks. And so if you're going to skip trace, skip tracing costs what? In between seven and 12 cents per record? I think... Because I do it at a small scale at a time, it's 15 cents a record, but it's very good. M power, M is in Mary power, is the uh, site I use. And we found that to be very reliable, much more so than some of the other major sites. Which is perfect. And so if if you're spending 15 cents a record and you're going to, you know, skip trace however many of them, say you're skip tracing half, you know, what's that math? Five. Six, it's, it's less than a thousand dollars. So if you skip trades 5,000 of them at 15 cents, you're paying 750 bucks. Yeah. So now you've got 5,000 people you can cold call and you have spent about one fifth of your $5,000 budget. So yeah. with the other $4,000, you know, what I'll, I'll stick by and what I'll recommend, you send mail, you know, for uh, postcards, I pay 52 cents for, you know, standard typical like blind offer you know two page or one page letters i pay about 70 cents to 80 cents so i'd send probably 2500 mailers you know to those markets to the best deals and you know maybe do a split test of blind offers to half and postcards to the other half and then at that point in time you know we've spent 2500 times let's say an average of 0. 0.6 
fifteen hundred. So we're we've spent half of our budget, and at this point, you can be cold calling and you have mail going out. You know, I'd get a website going too, and that right there. I mean, there's so many people that are in this business that that's their entire business. Yeah. Of they're spending that much money per month or less than that. And Dan, let's be honest. If you spent over the next 60 days, $2,500 to do exactly what we said, you know, you're sending 2,500 mailers, you have 5,000 people you can cold call. If in 60 days, how many deals do you think you could get? At least one probably, right? Yeah, absolutely. If you're following our advice as far as middle-class markets where there's a lot of demand, where you can do assignments, uh, you don't need quite as much of a discount necessarily, you absolutely can get a, a deal in that. And I, I wanted to give a quick example of, you know, we're talking about doing some of these things simultaneously, or you mentioned, you know, paying for education. I had a guy reach out to me. I didn't realize this till after the fact. He had been re- working a minimum wage job. I think he's 23 or 22. He's really young, younger than our example of the 24-year-old. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know this, but he, while living with his parents, working a minimum wage job, just listening to podcasts and videos, started cold calling. And had gotten a couple deals and just off the information off the internet. And then he paid me to give him my system, teaching the business in depth. And now, now he's really building a business out of it, out of this. And so, you know, you, you can do some of these things simultaneously or start with action on your own, make a little bit more money, accrue a little bit more in the bank and then pay someone, pay a mentor, or maybe even find one, uh, potentially just to work for and provide leads to, right? There's a lot of creative solutions, but I just wanted to use that in a real life example of someone I'm helping grow their business who was working a minimum wage job and got started just off of what he heard on podcasts and YouTube. That's insane. That's insane. And it it, it just goes to show, and I think, I think we have both the data and all of the anecdotal experience to say like getting started with five grand, you know, if you're effectively spending that money, you can you can turn that five thousand very not easily. It's going to take time, and it's going to take work, and it's going to take effort. It's not going to be a passive investment by any means whatsoever. But mm-hmm. you could turn that money easily into ten grand. Of you know, if if the average sale price in an area is you know thirty thousand, and say you got a deal and you got someone agreed to sell to you know sell you their property for ten. I mean, you could assign that to any of those cash buyers for 15000 and there you go. There's your five grand back. Or, you know, you could partner with a family member that has 15000 and you split it 50-50, and then there you go. There's 7500 back. And, I mean, I think it just shows how possible it is. I think you and I have, you know, once again, a very similar approach to how we would get started. And I, I hope that people find this really helpful and very actionable and We'll have links for, you know, the tools we're talking about for PropStream and Pebble for sending mail and all that kind of stuff. If you want to take action doing exactly that, get started and reach out and let us know how it goes. Because, I mean, if I knew when I was 22 that if I could start with five grand and if I knew these tactics and techniques, oh, I think life would be a lot different. But then again, you know, I could have invested in Bitcoin when I was 16 or something and <laughs> I'd be a billionaire. Yep. Yep. No, I, I think that was well said, Mason. It really is simple. It's not easy, but it's very simple. And so really the only other thing I'd like to add to what we've already said is that you need to, from day one, 
be ready to be consistent over the long term. And so, you know, deals are rarely gotten on the first or second call. There's a lot of follow-up required. And so just be ready for that to follow up with your leads religiously and you will get deals. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right. This is Mason McDonald and Dan Habercost with the Big Picture Blueprint and we'll pick it up soon, y'all. And that's it for today's episode of the Big Picture Blueprint. If you found it helpful, please share it with your friends or anyone you think that it could benefit. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and we'll see you in the next episode.